0: you're about to enter seventh heaven if you like this pod then you can show your support by rating us five stars and hitting that little subscribe button to help us climb the pod rankings and spread the sevens gospel if you're looking for extra content you can go to our youtube page or our social channels twitter and instagram our handle at seventh heaven pod again like subscribe share and we hope you enjoy the episode
1: One night in heaven, one night in heaven.
0: Yeah. Welcome back, folks, to your celestial one-stop pod for all things Rugby 7s. You're back in the clouds. You're back in 7th heaven. And oh, I'm sad to say that Mitchie boy and I are back in England. We didn't get the double bill booking. So while we had a whale of a time in Dubai, we are back in frozen England looking on with envy for the Cape Town 7s that is coming this weekend. Back to back for the men and the women. We're going to review, we're going to preview, and we are going to get to the nitty gritty of an unbelievable weekend that we just had in the Middle East. Mitch, how good? How good was it?
2: I mean, it was unreal, wasn't it, Burns? And it means that we crashed back down to earth with a thud. But I think it's appropriate. It means that I know what you're like, you get carried away the dizzy heights of being actually there on the circuit, in situ, feeling the vibes, the vibes. And I think it's good for us just to come back down because it means we can relate to the listener. Not all listeners get to go and watch around the world. So it's good for us to be back here.
0: No come downs here, mate. I've had had Roscoe Speckman in my DMs. Hey, man, so good to finally work with you. You know, all these sorts of things. You're joking. Have you really? Now I put the poster. It's there's a great photo. It, it's a great photo of you, me and Roscoe when we did our hot take live on the pitch and never ever done before or seen before a bit of content for the uh, HSBCs and um I obviously I sent him the I sent him the picture as well. I was like, "Hey man,
2: <laughs> you're all about the clicks." I love that.
0: All about the clicks. All about the clicks. But we were all about Well, the festival, man, go on, what do you reckon? Sum up Dubai Sevens in 30 seconds, taking in rugby music, entertainment, go.
2: I saw it all, it was amazing. It was me and you and Greg O'Shea roaming around. We did paddle, we did cricket, we did the vibes in the festival. We had the daytime party on Beats On 2, Artful Dodger, one of the highlights for me. Evening, Becky Hill, she was class and absolutely bossed it. And then sitting down to watch the finals under the lights. The best teams scrapping out on the pitch, inject it into me. It was a hell of a way to start the sevens this year.
0: I'm so pissed off that you got to see Artful Dodger and I didn't. Like, livid. Mate,
2: cut. I was thinking about you a little bit during it, thinking Bernsey would love this. But it was a rare occasion you were actually doing some work over the weekend and couldn't just enjoy yourself.
0: I was probably just kicking back with DC, knowing me.
2: If by DC you mean Dan Carter, who was having his debut uh, gig as an ambassador for the title sponsors HSBC, then, uh, then yeah, you probably were nausing him off and chewing his ear off about Diet Code. I also met him and we had a very casual conversation. Nice guy.
0: Nice guy. I mean, I, I didn't really talk to him at length, but at least he acknowledged me, which is more than can be said uh, <laughs> than you with another All Blacks 7s legend or Black Fern 7's legend more accurately how's um how's you and Portia getting on you tell the listeners about your little interaction at dinner that night look
2: man you and I are very different I know you need a lot of love and affection in each interaction you have with people for me I'm happy if people just give me a little nod of the head. I'll take that as an acknowledgement. Now, I think she was she was just getting busy getting a dinner, like getting some dessert. And when I said hello, either she didn't hear me or she, she, <laughs> or she was just busy. Um, and you've made a thing of it. And I can tell now this is going to become a running joke. And you do you, big boy, whatever you need to do to feel like you're getting one up.
0: Mate, it was so painful, but so joyous to watch you just get brushed like that. She looked at, like, she looked at you like you were a napkin that she dropped off the floor from her table. like, <laughs> <laughs> And just to watch you crumble as it happened, and for me to have a front view seat, oh, it was, that was the best bit about the Dubai 7. I'm surprised
2: you noticed. I'm surprised you had time to recognize anything else between multiple trips to the buffet and back.
0: Mate, those brownies. Those brownies. Um, look, enough about the weight gain. Let's talk about the trophy game. Uh, let's talk about the men's competition. Um, mate, South Africa winners did not see that coming.
2: Absolutely not. And those lads, I've got a to pick with them now because they've, they've made me look foolish after we were pr- kind of talking them down coming into the opening comp. But then who can blame us? They hadn't played well last season. They'd lost the Olympic qualifier. I didn't know that the lads coming back in would have such a big difference. They just played with a different intensity. They had that pizzazz back that was brought by the likes of Roscoe. Justin Hedood was on fire. Um, Van Vijk was all over the park.
0: Yeah, man, it was a weird one because they beat New Zealand for like last game of day one, like kind of super session vibes, like by an absolute whisker. But even then, and I watched it, and they scored some unbelievable tries. Great finish in the right-hand corner, but I still didn't think, "Oh yeah, South Africa here, they're going to win." I just thought, uh, it's a pool match. They've got a W. Good for them. Like, see you later. You'll get knocked out in the semis." But they just like kept on crunching, didn't they? Kept on crunching, taking the scalps. And then, I mean, we touched on it in the hot take. I think I think Argentina are going to be gutted about that. I like I'm. They they played poorly. Like you've you've got to call it, haven't you?
2: One hundred percent. And I saw Gaston Revol as he was leaving the stadium at the end of that and going home with a silver medal from the opening comp. It's not totally down in the dumps, but he said it before I had a chance. We were both thinking it that he said that they just didn't start well. They didn't start with the intensity. They didn't deliver in those opening exchanges, and then you're just playing catch-up ball. Um, And on the flip side, SA came to it with a desire to to leave everything on the field, which is one of the biggest cliches in rugby. But Phil Snyman, the coach, said that at the end. And that's exactly what it looked like. Uh, there was no hesitation for them going into it. I wonder if there was a bit of additional emotional energy going into it for the Blitzbocker boys. De Human, uh saw a really poignant video online about how he was playing for his sister who passed away. And... We know there's a huge amount of emotion that drives South African rugby at the top level. hear that from the 15 side and and maybe that was what they were channeling into that final. It certainly looked like they were driven by some strong stuff.
0: Um, I've got a question for you. There was a yellow card in the first half. High shot or late off the ball uh, from Oosthuizen on Pelandini for Argentina, the halfback. He goes off HIA, Gaston Revolve comes on earlier. Now, Gaston's been there, he's done it, he's done everything. But to lose your half-back so early and not be part of the strategy, and with the greatest respect to Gaston, Pellandini is a little bit sparkier, he's got a little bit more toe in his legs these days. How impactful do you reckon that is?
2: Yeah, do you know though, In your you know, at the time, I remember thinking... We even said it, didn't we? We were sat next to each other watching. And I thought, well, oh, it's okay. Gaston, he knows his way around a big game. Um, and at the time, they were stuttering a little bit. And I thought he might just steady the ship. But you're right. Perhaps they lost a bit of firepower. I don't want to slag off Gaston. He's one of my mates. Um, but Pelandini's he's hot. Um, he's a top, top player. And what they also will have lost with Pelandini going off, actually, which is a stat I picked up. Recently, but last season, he had an 81% kick conversion rate. And in finals, you want someone who's going to nudge your, your kicks. And that was the top on the series for people who had a minimum of, of 30 attempts. There's a bit of stat magic for you.
0: Um, yeah. I mean, he is, he's a freak kicker. And then also Gaston, he threw a wonky line out as well. When Argentina had cycled Marcos Mineta off to put our boy, Agus Frager on the wing. So they teed him up, hadn't they? They put him out on the edge. You explained this to me, and now I'm just like, I'm stealing your knowledge. But they teed him up so that he could have a run at Roscoe Speckman. And I was asking you about it. You said, yeah, because Agus Fraga's massive, as we found out, stood next to him on the pitch afterwards. And the Roscoe's a good defender, but there's a high propensity that he might suck in two defenders. But then Gaston threw it not straight, Turn over to South Africa, and then Roscoe's one on one with August, and Roscoe's got better feet. So it was a real fascinating chess match that unfolded throughout that final.
2: Yeah, you're welcome to steal my knowledge anytime, mate. Um, you probably explain it better than I do. But the matchups actually across the board was a really interesting dynamic because we were looking at both squads, and you wouldn't normally say this necessarily about Argentina of old. But the new Argentina is chock full of powerful athletes, of of guys who can seriously steamroll blokes. That South Africa team, uh, compared to older teams, is perhaps a little light on the power game up front, but has incredible footwork and pace in the back line. You know, the likes of Ronald Brown coming on off the bench. Norkir, who is a new player for South Africa this season, has got some serious toe, caught everyone by surprise on day one. So we kind of ended up with Argentina... At that point, the load of big boys on against a load of quick, steppy Blitzbocker players. And it was a mismatch in the end that favoured the South Africans.
0: Shall we talk about some of the other teams? Let's talk about some of the other star performers. I'm going to leave the pronunciation to you, but how good's that lad from New Zealand? Holy smokes, the offloading machine. Well,
2: given that we're not on live commentary now, we can get away with just using his first name. Um But... Fenyang Lenofo was unreal. He, he was good last year, but I feel like maybe he was just flying under the radar a little bit. And he obviously decided, coming into this season, he's like, I'm actually just going to be all over the highlights reel. Because he was unreal, um, scoring match winners. And there's a clip doing the rounds on socials now of an unbelievable offload. He's carried between two defenders and he, he's already eyed up his support player on his left. And he knows the support player's there and he's about to hit the deck and he just throws it out of his left hand. Complete disregard for the fact that his face is going to wear the brunt of the fall into the tough, hard Dubai turf. And he just sits it on a plate for his support runner. It was so delicious to watch.
0: I don't know if you saw it. And it, I can't see that it's been shared loads online, maybe because it's been eclipsed by that one. but. Against Argentina in the semi final, he's got uh, two defenders uh, that he's dragging along. And as he's going to ground, it's quite hard to describe. He's got the ball in his left hand and he's falling to the right. And as he falls, he wraps his left arm round his body and then flips the ball horizontally behind his back, right into the breadbasket of his support runner. Uh, I don't understand the biology of it. I can barely scratch my own back, but this guy is like wrapping the ball around his torso. I mean, it was so, so sick and I I just want to, I just want to see him on the ball more. Ooh, I like him. I like him. Yeah,
2: yeah, he's, I mean, one of many who are just going to take their turn to put their hands up at pivotal moments. That's the thing, a lot of other teams, I think, look to more established players to step up in the key moments, but what's been the case with the All Black Sevens, especially in recent years when they've, really develop their wider squad is that it'll be the young lads that come up trumps. Uh, and he's like 20 years old, I think, 20, 21. Uh, I think he's 20. And at that age, just to be scoring winners and, and delivering big moments, he's obviously playing with no fear. And Tomasi Tharma, first tournament out as coach, has obviously instilled that in them, which is good. I th- I feel like maybe he'll feel all right with that first outing. Um Because they change a coach, change a personnel up top can be disruptive. So, that's a pretty good start from them, I think. Fiji, though, I mean, fourth place, not... <sighs> weird, weird competition from well, Fiji. Well, how about I them think. losing to GB at the end of day one? Great for GB.
0: Mate, they didn't lose them. They didn't lose to them. Yeah. They got hammered. I don't
2: think anyone picked that. They got and nilled. That was, I mean, that was a a sort of high moment for GB... In a weekend where there weren't that many others, um, it was a tough start for them. But yeah, I mean, they played well against Fiji. Fiji probably didn't turn up at their best, but then they ended up playing some unbelievable rugby in some of the rest of the tournament. So up and down from Fiji, but still showing glimpses of the firepower that, that will be pretty, pretty tough to handle, I think, as we progress.
0: Speaking of weird performances, really disappointing performance. France, France, nowhere. Like, miles off the pace. Like, I'm
2: so shocked. Yeah, well, they... I mean, firstly, the format, the format, the 12-team format, first time we've seen it, it delivered in terms of punishing teams that weren't quite on their metal. France, probably, case in point, more than anyone, slipped up, they convincingly beat GB, and they failed to beat the US, which is a game they definitely would have targeted in the group. And they just looked a bit meh. You know, they had a couple of big milestones going into it. Logel getting his 70th tournament. Perez (laughs) getting his 50th. Go on. on.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think we all know. We all know. know.
2: On his 50th. Uh, But they just didn't look like they were there to really do anything special. Um, They finished off beating GB again in uh, in the playoff down the bottom of the pile, or towards the bottom of the pile. But... They need to get us. We were both chatting to uh, Goblet, who used to play. Those who are a little bit older like us will remember. And I played against him quite a few times, big old unit and a friend of ours, friend of the pod. And he was saying that they need to win. They need to taste that win before going to the Olympics. Otherwise they've got no chance. And I think he's right. Teams need to learn what it's like to win. Uh, And just referencing back very quickly to Argentina, they won't want to lose too many finals because they're now starting to see themselves as a team that's there to win trophies after trophies, including gold medals.
1: One night and heaven, hide, one heaven, one one Let's talk
2: about the women.
0: And do you know what? I'm going to start with Ireland because they're my favourite. <laughs> How many favourites have you got? And I'm biased. I've got a few, few favourites. It's quite weird and diverse as well. One of them is Japan. Man, they let me down big time on the opening date. I mean, pumped by... Um, by Aussie, sixty-six nil. I think they they wore one as well from Ireland, so they kind of bounced back and they've ended up finishing ninth, which is fair play. That's all about fighting to the very end, and they actually overturned GB, who had turned them over in the group. So a bit of a salvage operation, but a real slow start. Ireland came sixth. Stacey Flood's fiftieth tournament appearance. I think they probably would have been wanting more, and. Yeah, bit of a slower start than I kind of was expecting from them. So I'm hoping that more is going to come in Cape Town. But let's talk about the top. Let's talk about that final. Let's talk about the semis because we are right there pitch side. We've got the main woman, the woman of the hour herself. We've got Tegan Levi, who, by the way, since we spoke to her on the pitch, um, did a bit of Googling. I just completely forgot she's 20 years old. Like... She's been around for two full seasons. I think she debuted in the COVID competitions in Dubai a couple of years back. She's 20 and she is that pivotal for Australia. Unbelievable.
2: Mate, ridiculous. Just thinking. I don't want to get too far ahead, because who knows what they want to do with their careers and, and how long they'll play for. But imagine they've been playing, if they play sevens for another five years imagine what we're going to see out there. And these are the players that are going to be taking the game to the next level. Um, Phenomenal. I mean, we were kind of calling it as the game was unravelling, weren't we, and identifying little moments she was involved in. And just just absolutely took the game by the scruff of the neck. She was having a great little battle, wasn't she, with Georgia Miller. It's kind of, they they both had moments where they got one over on each other. But on balance, Tegan was just running right, right out there on the pitch. And it was a joy to watch. Um, and it was cool to chat with her in the moment. It just looked like she's out there enjoying it, enjoying herself, just goes about her business. I um, think one of the things we spoke about, wasn't it, that she does, she can finish, she can do the glamour bits, but she also just does the graft. And a big thing for them in the final was trying to hold on to the ball against New Zealand because New Zealand are very good at holding onto the ball, keeping it and usually score at the end of their possessions. So Australia was big emphasis on, on trying to maintain the bulk of the possession in that game. Uh, and, and Tegan is, is a big help for that, both in terms of what she does defensively, turning ball over as well.
0: Yeah, I think she's like rugby league background, isn't she? And she's definitely got leaguey in her soul because she bangs people in D. And I, I, think there's, I think it's on the Aussie Sevens page, maybe. There's like a little compilation of her final performance, obviously, naturally. Everyone focuses on the two tries, that burst from the 22, and then going the length with some ease as well. It wasn't like she was going to get caught, but there's one where she blasts through the breakdown and she forces a knock on from, from the Black Ferns. That is something you see so frequently from her in the game, and that's something I think probably like we over, overlook at times. But her might in the contact areas is key. She is proper all Yeah,
2: cool. phenomenal. I mean, it would be remiss of us not to balance out our Levi love with her sister who scored a record equaling eleven tries
0: i think she i think she i think she broke the record she got twelve didn't she? did she yeah i think that I think that that one in the final, the winner actually let's get into that one. I think that that was her twelfth breaking her own record. That she equaled last year of eleven. You know what?
2: You're right. She did get twelve. less
0: should we make? We we, we we spoke about this in the air. My math yesterday. letting me down again. The try, the try, the Maddie Levi try. Let's talk through it. Let's talk about Demi Hayes. Let's talk about Charlotte Castlick. Let's talk about that finish from Maddie. Well, this
2: was a, a great moment in the game for some of the big game players to come up trumps. It was a pre kind of pre called thing. You could see. It was what we used to call a cut bounce. So Demi Hayes runs across. Charlotte Caslick comes on a, on a cut line underneath. Demi continues her run out so that she's now the second player out of the three, with Maddie Levi being the third on the edge. Charlotte's carried enough pace into that cut so that can she can then bounce out wide towards where Demi's just gone to. So even though she's come on the cart back inside, she then changes direction and bounces out, carrying that pace. And that was the key to it. She carried the pace and then beats the defender into the outside space. As a result, she's then created the 3v2 in favour of Australia, draws in that next defender, slips the pass to Demi, who really, really smartly, showing all of her experience, has just held enough depth so that when the last Black Ferns defender jumped on her... She could do a nice little catch pass, really, really smooth sleight of hand, let the ball go out towards Maddie Levi. It didn't go to hand, I think think it did bounce, but Levi scooped it. And then Maddie did her usual thing, took it all the way to the house, shrugging off a couple of would-be Black Ferns defenders on the way. It was a superb bit of footage, one that I would be cutting up as a coach and saying, this is how you work together. You operate in threes to try and break down defense. Defenses, and that's not just any defense. That's a black de- Black Ferns defense, and they know what they're doing. It was it's the kind of stuff that I love. I love that. In fact, I'm going to clip it up and just watch it like daily.
0: Maybe, maybe we've uh, maybe we have done Demi Hayes a disservice in not talking about her absence more last season because she hasn't been at the big dance for a while. She comes in and she comes up with that clutch pass to set up Maddie, who had a lot to do, but wow, that girl is just a natural born finisher, isn't I also she?
2: think with Demi, like, obviously we don't know, we're not in the change room all the time, but I get the sense that she is one of the players that just is happy to let other people maybe take the limelight, both on and off the field and do their thing. And she just kind of is the really reassuring presence that every team needs. That's the vibe I get, um, whilst being one of those players that just never messes up. You mentioned her
0: earlier, Mitch, Georgia Miller. She made the HSBC's uh, dream team for Dubai. Uh, we had front row seats of her match-winning try against Canada in the semifinal. And, oh, I mean, how balanced is she when she moves? Like incredible smoothness and just glides through the I think line. Gliding—that's
2: the best term to describe it. She's so smooth. the change direction, and again, we talk about the big thing about sevens. There are so many key moments—moments moments where the game is won and lost—and for her to be putting herself at so many of those, the forefront of so many of those moments at her relatively inexperienced time of her career it is really, really encouraging. She's got the four-year contract with the Black Ferns. And she's justifying that by scoring winners in, in knockout games. And that was great, wasn't it? We were right behind the sticks when she ran over for that score. And she was just going left, right. She sniffed the opportunity. No hesitation. Off she goes. Um, a joy to watch. Like one of those players that's just lovely. Although what I will say, just to temper her own enthusiasm, she did kind of get out of gas, didn't she? On that chase against Teagan. Yeah, I and mean, I, I'm actually just to scrutinize you? it. I'm just, yeah, I know. just, I know, but I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, you know, check my own bias towards attacking play here. What I'm gonna do next time I watch, and maybe I'll go back and watch Dubai Sevens again. I'm gonna look at her D. I, I don't know. Is she a good defender? Is, is she as good at defending as she is at attacking?
0: Well, I don't know how much defending do you do when you're wearing a black well, jersey. Point. Good point. Uh, Although they did a lot more this weekend than probably they have done for many tournaments. like They got run close on many, many occasions. South Africa, Canada, Canada are going to be so gutted about how close they came. They played so incredibly well. Missed a couple of execution opportunities in the first half, though. And, and yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see what's going to happen. And also, Black Fern's going to be without their captain. Uh, so Black Fern going to be without Sarah here and really so sad to see her pick up a significant injury. We hate to lose our best for the series and that is going to be a big leadership vacuum for the Black Fern 7s to fill. Yeah, a whole heap of
2: experience lost there over 300 games that she takes home with her to rest and recover. We hope she's going to go all right. I think they were struggling a little bit without Tyler Nathan Wong this weekend anyway. The weekend just gone to now lose Sarah as well. They're up against it early in the season, but they've still got a hell of a strong squad. So I think they'll still be there or thereabouts, but, you know, it's ruthless out there. Other teams might smell blood and uh, and come for them.
0: That's the final we loved. They're the two teams to be as ever. But of course, there was plenty more action unfolding at Dubai and is going to unfold again in Cape Town this week. So we're pulling in an expert. We're pulling in one of Mitch's top guns. Mitch, we got Layla in the house.
2: Yeah, Layla Ariston giving us the scoop.
1: One night in heaven, one, heaven, heaven, one night one night in heaven, one oh Mitchy! hi bestie, you shaking your booty all the way over there where you are still, <laughs> working on your, working on your steps and a couple of goosies, whatever, what are you are up to, so glad to be here, thanks for having me guys, well
2: it's great to have you on and obviously there's a very uh, timely reason we've got you on, not only because we're coming off the back of two wonderful performances from the men and women in dubai we're heading into the home tournament in south africa cape town you're going to be down there in the mix but before we talk about that let's start with the women new as primary team on the on the series what do you reckon
1: Oh, Mitchy, I so it was because obviously Dubai is a little two two hours ahead of us, so it was quite early in the morning when I started watching the women. I also made a public apology to my neighbours next door, left and right, um, because of the way I was screaming. Um, it was such a nail biter the game against uh, you know the Blackburn Sevens was absolutely insane. Didn't think that it was going to be that close. You know, you saw that pool. I was stressed. I was stressed about the pool that we found ourselves in. Um, And then the girls came out and just showed exactly what they've been doing for the past five, six months that they've been together in camp because it's kind of just been this gradual build of getting everyone in, making sure they stay together, trying to keep them together as long as possible purely because it's not a professional system. So the women aren't around each other the whole time. So that's what they then started doing the past six months is try and get them together as much as possible. And man, oh man, let me tell you, I was so stoked for them. I'm so glad that all their hard work started paying off, and you were actually able to see it. I've been reading the comments, and um, they've gained so many fans from this past weekend. Um, and I can bet you that usually, if they played Cape Town Sevens, there weren't as many people watching. I think the stadium is going to be packed cheering for them above the men this weekend.
2: Well, I was going to ask that because obviously, South Africa love rugby, but probably it's mostly the 15s. Bit of fan fandom for the men's sevens team over the years but historically where has the women's sevens team sat in that kind of scheme of things for the fans just build a bit of a picture of where that's got to now
1: yeah so i mean women's rugby in south africa is never kind of like the highlight or the focus or the talking point um, in in south africa i always tell people you know even if people are speaking negatively about women's rugby, I'm really just glad that they're speaking about it because it was never a conversation um, and so with the 15s women building as much as they have and getting uh, to the point that they have post uh, the 15s World Cup, it was something just absolutely extraordinary to see You know how much the support has been getting behind the 15s women and that fan base has kind of just gone over and started supporting the 7s too so uh, post last weekend uh, people were talking about it. They were talking about the growth uh, with women's rugby and, and especially that because it's, it's never been a professional system. It's never been uh, one where the women were paid a monthly salary. You know, you kind of, you went in for the love of the game. You're dealing uh, with players who are mothers, uh, who are sisters, um, who have other jobs. And that's what they would have to come home to um, after a day of training. You know, you'd have to get home. You'd have to go and feed your son or feed your daughter. Um, and the next morning, wake up, go to work and then only train the evening. Um, so it's it, it it's grown a lot in the sense of that it's it's become more professional now. The women are starting to hang out and starting to come into more regular camps. And they're starting to get to know each other better. There's more rugby to play, so they're being exposed to more test matches on the 15th side, more comps now on the 7th side because of, of the series and, and also because of the circuit as well. Um, and so it is just going to be be a, a learning curve for the women. I mean, they started on such a high last weekend. Um, they showed what, they, what they're what they able to do. Unfortunately, now they've got uh, two injuries, a loss of Libyanse van Rensburg and Zinchle and Pupa, who are huge, huge influential players in their side as well. Um, But that just grants the next kind of lot to come in and show what they're made of. Layla, for those who aren't really that familiar with the South African women's
0: sevens team, how many 15s players have crossed over? I know that a lot of people probably would have been excited about Nadine Ruiz, having watched her in the World Cup and uh, WXV2, and now she's doing the business on the World Series as expected. But how much crossover is there between the 15s and the sevens?
1: so they're trying to limit it as much as possible actually because they're trying to make it two separate systems um unfortunately our pool as we said is not as big as we would have wanted it to be or would want it to be so you have someone like libyans van rensberg who's gone and crossed over um a lot, all of the players that are playing in the 7th circuit in the 2021 2020 2021 Rugby World Cup had to then post World Cup choose do they want to stay with the 15s or do they want to go over to the sevens? But they are drawing the 7th system is drawing as many players as they possibly can in terms of experience from the 15 side. And um, you know someone like Lebians from Lensburg is really 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 pivotal.
2: This is juicy stuff. This is great to get the full background, and build the picture because. Part of the beauty of this season is having SA on the circuit and adding all the kind of brightness and intrigue that comes with that team. But what about the other teams? I mean, it was so tight across the weekend in Dubai. Let's look at some of the teams at the top. Um, Obviously, Oz, New Zealand, familiar faces in the final, to be expected. Um, But France in that third spot, Yelena Yango was really hot for them. Fiji doing well. What it, I mean, what do we expect? How let's let's put you on the spot a little bit. Aside from Oz and New Zealand, who are we who we're we going to be looking out for this weekend in Cape Town and moving forward? Because it seems so tight amongst that kind of top six.
1: Mitch, let me tell you, I am so excited about Canada. I think it is Canada was a team this weekend that came out of nowhere had like blistering pace across the field. Their skills looked incredible. Um, so I'm really excited to kind of watch them grow and see uh, where they're going to go and where, where they've kind of come from, because we kind of, we always saw Canada, they they were in the mix, they were in the mix, but they weren't as in the mix, um, and as big a threat, as they were last weekend, so I really, really, really am excited. France as well, I think France can be so dangerous, you know, it's been like small, small, small margins for them, as well, but there's such a physical side, and, and the way that they're able, to distribute the ball, and when they get it to those wingers, I mean, it is carnage.
2: Yeah, I'm with you, and I think, don't get Burnsy started on Canada. Um, Burnsy is well known to have his favourites, and I think Canada are rivaling Japan for that mantle in the women's comp. But just, I want to probe a bit more into who's. We talk a lot about us in New Zealand, but without almost talk, taking it to one side, who is the team that can beat them?
1: Yeah, Mitchy. You know, I mean, if we look at last year, we saw that the USA did it. You know, they they came out of nowhere, and towards the end of the season. And they really were finding their groove and they really were able to kind of read the game because that's the best part about the circuit is the teams can start really reading each other. They start pinpointing those players and if you take them out of the game, you know, it becomes it really becomes anyone's game. Um, or the USA as well, one of those teams that I think started a little quieter, a little slower than they usually do um, last weekend. So gonna be interested to see how they go. But I, I get your I get your rationale and your theory behind Fiji. I do see it. It's it's the way that the Fijians play, you don't know how to you don't know how to defend them purely because, like, you can't go up with a normal structure. They're going to beat you and they're going to take it into contact. You're going to try and offload every single time. So you're going to have to have a really quick sweeper to try and come around to stop those tries. I really am so excited to see what Canada's going to do. I'm I'm We 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 seem to have
0: circled back round to Canada somehow.
2: (laughs) Have you got mates in the Canada squad Then they've just told you to tee them up?
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no i i was I was just so impressed with them I was so excited to see what they can do. Hopefully they live up to my hype this weekend because we be 're so awkward if they don 't <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i mean we we well I and Mitch as well we really like Piper Logan, she had a bit of a barnstormy performance in that semi final. And she's got one of the coolest names on the series. And also it's one name that I think that both of us have mixed up at various stages as well. I think we've been Logan piper Logan Pipering out there Logan as well. Piper. so Big apologies for that. <laughs> Teams aside, competition aside, let's get a bit of local knowledge from you, Leila, because we can't have a South African here on the pod and not talk about the mother city. What is it about Cape Town that makes it so special? What is it about the Cape Town 7s? Because let's not forget, that the South Africa Sevens has travelled kind of all around the country. It was like Port, Port Elizabeth, it was in George, and it seems to have really settled and found its home down south in Cape Town, which is just one of the most beautiful spots in the entire world.
1: Oh, Yeah, Cape Town Cape Town's so special. I, you know, Cape Town's just got this mix of so many different cultures and um, it's, it's so cliche to say in a South African sense, but like rugby and rugby sevens is really what brings everyone... All, Rugby is really what brings this whole country together, um, and and hey, who doesn't like a party uh, towards De- December, kind of like ending off your year? Everyone's looking for like that three day, two day party to kind of ha- they know what they're going to do uh, come come next weekend. So you know it's it's so great because the people have really started investing in what K Town Sevens is in Cape Town, and 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 apart from from the beauty and and Table Mountain and all of that that crazy thing, like. The, the K-Town people are so warm. They're such warm people. They're so accepting of everyone. I mean, you'll just see the, the hotel staff celebrating when um, the players come into, into the hotels. They really do start taking them on as family. And that's just, I think, South Africans and our nature is we, we really do celebrate, even if it's not our team winning
2: I know you say that they will celebrate you regardless of whether you're their home team, but actually I've never seen a stadium empty so quickly as when we won there. I just want to drop that in. When we won the (laughs) tournament there back in 2016, the South African crowd, the South African fans exited the stadium at a run, at a a high pace.
1: Point Um, point of order, point of order, point of order. (laughs) Um, I don't think England will ever be celebrated in South Africa.
2: (laughs) and totally fair enough um for all sorts of reasons um have you been to the cape town sevens as a fan
1: oh i've been plenty times i think i've gone to every single cape town sevens um, some that i can remember others that I don't remember as much. Um, but it is just the biggest, biggest party with your friends. Everyone's dressed up. Everyone's kind of, you know, bought into the whole vibe. And, and you really are, I, I, I mean, you're cheering for your home team as much as you're cheering for the other other teams because it, it is, the vibe on the field is incredible. The vibe in the stands is incredible. And even the activations outside and the random things that they do outside, that's, that's amazing too. So it is just one big party. Layla, how lovely
0: to end this on a barefaced lie that all the South Africans are cheering just as loudly <laughs> for everyone else as they are the Blitzbox and, and the women. It's lies. It's lies.
1: But, it is, it but, is not I mean, that big know, a that's lie. That's what you can't
0: expect when you're playing against the world, the world champions and current
1: series leaders, I guess. Hey, I, I, I mean, maybe that was just me. Maybe not the rest of South Africa. Maybe it was just me. <laughs>
0: Well, hopefully the rest of South Africa tunes into this pod episode and they take a bit of inspiration from you when, uh, when we get down there this weekend. Layla,
1: Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. It's been incredible. Mitchy. always great to see you. Burnsy, love meeting you. Canada for life. One night one in heaven, 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 one night one one night heaven,
0: one
2: heaven, heaven. So
0: awesome to hear from a local. But let's hear from you, Mitch, because you've got some special memories. You managed to crowbar it in, in that little <laughs> chat. Former former winner of the Cape Town Sevens. I was I was there that year, actually, for the glory of England in 2016. But yeah, let's talk about it. Cape Town Sevens, pretty special, unbelievable place. And last is that the last place you played International Sevens as well? Was it the World Cup?
2: Yeah, it was. So great. It was the site of my last ever international sevens tournament at the World Cup last year. So good memories for me. And yeah, you're right. You were there when we won, but you weren't actually there, were you, Bernsey? Because you'd overdone it on the free-flowing, free-flowing food and beverages. And you actually missed my and the lads' moment of glory. But that's fine, because what I realized now you were doing is you were preempting a little bit about what the sevens was about, which is yes, the rugby, but also just having well of a time <laughs> outside of it. Yeah.
0: Like much to my absolute disgust in myself. I was there with a mate, a mutual friend of yours and I. And I mean, I don't need to remind you that semi-final overtime victory against Fiji. um, The Dan Norton, Dan Norton, Dan Norton. When he just goes the length, which was one of the greatest moments I've ever seen in a stadium. Shout out to Chippy for the assist. <laughs> <laughs> um, So, yeah, we watched we watched it and I was absolutely buzzing and we were. We're meant to be going to a party on the beach at, how is it, like the Café Royale? What's the one down by the beach? The Grand Café. I'll have a think about it. But
2: You're talking about Caprice? I I I was like, oh man,
0: like, no, not Caprice. The other one. The other one that's like close to the stadium. Jimmy's. But, no, another one. (laughs) Another one. It's going to come to me. But yeah, like, Burs, who was with me, said they'll have emotionally blown their load again in that semi-final win. There's no way they're going to win the final. Come on, if you don't come with me now, you're not going to be able to get in. And I was like, I was staying with this guy, and he basically got in my head. So we went to this party, and I missed the final. I missed you guys winning. I missed Chippy's try in the final as well from halfway. So, yeah. My my apologies. My apologies, but what a great time. I'll let you off that's got to, that's gotta be that's gotta be that gotta be up there as well yeah hundred percent
2: yeah one of them. the best memories for sure, but it's one of the best ones that people, the players love going to in terms of a location' because aside from what you get over the weekend, the guys and girls now who are there prepping for the weekend, yes, they will have their training, but they'll be iron up in the schedule, Oh, where have I got an afternoon off or a couple of hours here and there, grabbing a coffee down by the waterfront. Maybe jumping up Table Mountain in the cable car. They probably won't be climbing it if they know what's good for them. Going around to Camps Bay, chilling on the beach. Our Instagrams will be inundated with photos of people on Camps Bay soaking up in the sun. Um, it's an amazing place to go and visit. It's so fun in the week. It's great for the players, great for the fans who go and watch as well. But this is bigger than ever this year. They're expanding it. We've obviously got the action on pitch one, but also pitch two, which comes with its own challenge. We'll see. They've set up a whole broadcast on that pitch as well. That'll be a different sort of experience for the players. I don't know if it'll be entirely a smooth one. That's going to be a challenge. See which teams can get their heads around that. But what a place to go to for us. Sp- and you see the stadium, the location. You see, look down from Table Mountain, you see that stadium, like, wow, what a spot to play some code. I actually went on the roof of that stadium one year. We had the captain's photo on the roof of the stadium, um, which was, I mean, health and safety over there is not what it is here in the UK. And thank goodness, because it meant we could just stroll around on the roof of the stadium, not caring the world. After
0: the humiliating failure of last week, it's back to Mystic Mitch, (laughs) specifically for the Cape Town Sevens. What are you saying? Men, women, I want the finalists, the winners. And I want the bottom place
2: team. Oh, the bottom place team. That's dark, Joe. You are a glutton for it. Um, Well, can I just say anyone coming to the pod for this episode, is their first episode, don't bother going back to the back catalogue and seeing what previous Mystic Mitch calls were because I'm going to lose all credibility or any credibility I had left for this weekend in Cape Town. Look, it's a different challenge. Backing up week two, not something the players are going to have to do that often this season. But for these first two, they are. They're going to have to turn it around in a week. And that is a bit of a leveller. Start with the women's. It's hard to look beyond Oz the New Zealand final every single time. But for the sake of variety, I'm going to say Oz are going to be in there. I'm going to say New Zealand are going to miss out this week on the final. And I'm going to say that Australia are going to have to beat France in the final this weekend. And I think they will. Lovely, Bottom of the deck bottom of the deck for the women japan i take that personally <laughs> sorry mate sorry to, but you would have said that if I, anyone had said um. and it's at that point it's
0: at that point i took it personally <laughs> men
2: the men i'm gonna say some are gonna to go to the final this week reigning champions it, there was the nearly moments for them beating by like new zealand last play they shouldn't have they shouldn't have lost that game so i think if they can just Tidy up a few bits here and there and bring some similar firepower that they had last weekend. They'll be good. So I'm going to say they're in the final. You don't often see New Zealand out of the top action for very long. Will South Africa double up? I'm now, I'm second guessing myself all over the place. This is how tricky it is on the on the sevens this year. Um, I don't think, I think it's tough for South Africa to double up. So I don't think they'll make the final again, even though it's a home tournament. I'm going to say New Zealand. New Zealand-Samoa. New Zealand-Samoa. I like the sound of that. I think I'd just love to see it. This is basically, this is not what I necessarily think will happen, but this is me manifesting what I'd like to see. Um, And I'm going to, I'd love to see Samoa do it again. Okay. New Zealand-Samoa
0: final, Samoa going back to back. Ooh, last one, bottom of the deck.
2: Oh crikey. Uh, So do you know what? There are a few... Few few teams picked up some injuries and have had to make some changes, which is not what you want first tournament now. Oh, what do you reckon, man? Help me out.
0: i am not through, I'm not jumping on this grenade for well, you. Well, you
2: know what I'm trying not to say. Um
0: I know what you're trying not
2: to say. Um I'm gonna I think I think <laughs> I really think Spain are gonna struggle.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right, okay, Spain, you think? you've been oh. sacrificed. You've been sacrificed by Mitch there. Okay, it's a tough spot to put you in to, but this is only pontificating. Mitch is a bit of fun, but the only way to find out the real deal is to tune in this weekend. World Rugby are going to be covering it on all their channels, rugbypass.tv, and depending on where you are in the world whatever broadcaster is carrying it but one thing is for sure you don't want to miss a minute we're going to be tuning in from back here in england and we are going to be back in your ears as of next week where we really take a nice long look at what went down in cape town and how we're feeling after the opening two legs of the rebooted rejuvenated hsb zvins Mitchie boy, thanks as ever. Can't wait to do this all again with you next week. Thank you to you, the listeners. Like, share, subscribe. You know the drill. Let's spread the Seventh Gospel. But until next time, from all of us up here in the clouds, in seventh heaven, it is adios.
2: Bye-bye.